Hello, everyone, and welcome to Making the Grade for the Week, ending Friday, December 21st, 2018. First, let me apologize for not having this up at midnight. I had a show last night. Second, allow me to apologize for my voice. I had a show last night. Uh, we're going to get this quick and dirty and out of the way because it is a busy weekend with it being Christmas weekend, so uh, I apologize in advance. Let's jump straight into the fire this week with the TLC pay-per-view. There are at least a couple matches I'm looking forward to tonight, so let's see what happens. As for the kickoff show, we're just going to cover story elements, of course, and not panel, because fuck panel. First off, we go to JoJo, Slater, and Baron backstage. JoJo is practicing her victory announcement for Baron later. Charlie appears to tell Baron that Braun is rumored to be here. Baron doesn't care. This didn't need to happen. Match number one, cruiserweight title, Cedric Alexander, I did it again, versus Buddy Murphy. If this is on the kickoff and not the mixed match final, then whoever wrote the card tonight, fuck him to death. I wouldn't mind seeing Buddy get new theme music. It's been so long since the dubstep cowboys at this point. The crowd starts chanting 205, which should tell someone why these matches shouldn't be happening on the kickoff. I was hoping last month was a rule, not an exception, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Then we get a mid-match commercial for the Raw women's title match. Are you fucking kidding me? A fucking brutal-looking powerbomb out of the corner by Buddy. Good lord, that was beautiful. A Death Valley driver on the apron gets a two-count, then a lumbar check gets a two with a foot on the ropes, but Cedric ultimately falls to the Murphy's Law. Grade A. There is no reason in the world that this match shouldn't have been on the main card, and no reason that it should have been relegated to a corner of the screen to promote Nia fucking Jax. Even worse, there are two kickoff matches tonight, and neither of them is the mixed match challenge final. Match number two, ladder match, Elias versus Bobby Lashley. I would be upset that Elias is relegated to the kickoff show, but this match is fucking stupid and should not be on the main show. Elias then tries to play a song, but is interrupted by Lashley's entrance. Do I need to point out that Elias just tried to play a song on his guitar when the point of this match was that his guitar was hanging above the ring? Why doesn't he just hit Lashley with that guitar? Lashley then shows us his ass. Negative points. On Monday, this was explained like an item on a pole match, where the first superstar to climb the ladder and get the guitar could use it on his opponent. Tonight, JoJo announced it like a standard ladder match. First superstar to retrieve the guitar wins. That makes this even more fucking pointless. This match also gets relegated to the lower corner so that they can show us an ad for the WWE title match. This is less offensive than in the first match because, again, this match is fucking pointless. Michael Cole then calls a powerbomb a spinebuster. He quickly corrects himself, but still. Elias then wins by retrieving his other guitar. Grade C. Not offensive, but pointless. And Elias should be doing better things than this. Leo prevents Elias from hitting Bobby with the guitar, and Elias ends up getting guitared after all. Bobby then shows us his ass again. Negative points. That's your kickoff, folks. Time for the main show. Match number three, mixed match finals. Carmella and R-Truth versus Ginger and Alicia. Somehow, we've got something even more pointless than a ladder match for a guitar. The winners get their 30th spot in their respective rumbles and a all-expenses-paid vacation. I must remind you that this match includes R-Truth and Jinder Mahal for the men and Carmella and Alicia Fox for the women. 
No one on that list has even the slightest chance in hell of winning the Rumble. And the vacation aspect is just comedy skit fodder, and I'm using the word comedy very loosely here. Also remember that the Survivor Series is the only time each year that Raw and SmackDown superstars go head-to-head. I would rather fuck a running meat grinder than watch this match. Then we get a dance break. Negative points. This leads to Truth and Carmella throwing the Singh brothers from the ring. Where the hell are Alicia and Jinder? Uh, Mixed Match Challenge Season 2. Fuck charities. If our Truth attacked Alicia, it would be a disqualification, but Alicia kicks Truth in the gut and tries to scissor kick him, and nobody fucking cares. Then Jinder breaks up a pin by pulling Carmella off Alicia, and nobody fucking cares. Alicia taps to the code of silence. Grade D. Who fucking cares? Oh, fuck. Now we have to talk to them. Uh, Truth has picked WWE headquarters as the destination for their vacation. Because it's funny or something. At least this is over. Well, we can literally only go up from here. Of course, as soon as they say that, it is revealed that David Otunga is replacing Byron Saxon on commentary tonight. Match number four, SmackDown tag title triple threat, The New Day versus The Usos versus The Bar. As I'm about to make a joke about David Otunga talking to Rikishi about The Usos, they make fun of David Otunga knowing Rikishi. My phone continuously wants to autocorrect Otunga to iTunes. I'm okay with that. I wonder if New Age Outlaw rules apply tonight. It's a regular old super kick party as the Usos take out all four of their opponents. We get a close-up on Big E at ringside, and he appears to be giving directions, but one of the Usos is the closest to him. I'm reminded of that story of Chris Jericho walking Bubba Ray Dudley through a TLC match because he had gotten KO'd near the beginning of the match. The bar retained after a brogue kick on Xavier, which surprises me. Grade A. Sometimes these triple threat matches get bogged down by chaos, but this one felt really well-paced, not rushed, not too slow, and I was surprised by the finish. Vince McMahon will be on Raw tomorrow night to shake things up because they really have no idea why Raw has been so fucking terrible lately. Match number five, GM versus title shot, TLC match, Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman. Heath Slater is your referee, so... Yeah. Baron makes Heath count Braun out. We get to seven before Braun's theme plays. Are there countouts in a TLC match? I don't think there are. Strowman enters in a sling, so Baron is literally about to lose to a one-armed man. I mean, technically Slater could have kept counting and would have gotten to ten before Strowman got to the ring. Braun reminds Corbin that a TLC match is no disqualification, so anyone can come out and help him. Anyone who is sick of dealing with a crappy general manager. So how are they going to fit the entire WWE universe in the ring? Apollo, Rude, Gable, and Balor appear, all with chairs. Slater then throws his ref shirt in Corbin's face, and everyone attacks him. Rhino should come out and gore Baron Corbin in the next week. Instead, we get Kurt Angle. Everyone gets their licks in, then Slater puts his stripes back on, so Strowman can pin Baron with just a boot. JoJo then announces Baron as the loser of the match. Maybe I should start doing that in 2019. Grade C. I mean... Strowman didn't actually do anything. So Braun Strowman now gets to go to the Rumble to lose to Lesnar again. We then get a commercial for something called a Quayman. Not sure what that is. We then get a recap of Sunglasses. Match number six, tables match, Natalia versus Ruby Riot. 
The Riot Squad bring the benign-hearted table to ringside and stand it up so he can watch. Nice touch. Liv is the first casualty, going ass-first through a table to save Ruby. Beautiful spot. Natalia calls Ruby a bitch, slaps her square across the face, and then asks her if she's okay. I swear to God. She then body slams Sarah Logan through a table. These tables are breaking awfully cleanly tonight. How long till Ruby tells Natalia that her father is down there in hell? Very clever spot where Ruby counters a sharpshooter by pushing the table leaning up in the corner enough so that it tips over and falls on Natalia. Uh, she then tries to counter an electric chair drop with a noogie. Natalia then brings out a table with Ruby with a Ruby Riot fathead on it. She then wastes time by grabbing her dad's jacket, which she had stashed under the ring next to the Ruby table. She then wastes even more time making sure that the table is in the exact right position for the final spot. She then does something even dumber. Ruby is on the top rope. Natalia gets off the table, and instead of grabbing Ruby and just throwing her through the table she's so carefully positioned, she pushes Ruby off to the outside. She then flips her over the ropes into the ring and lays her on the table to go up for a dive or something. Sadly, this does not cost her the match, as Ruby's counter is countered into a powerbomb through the table. Grade C. I'm just glad this stupid feud is over. Please tell me this stupid feud is over. Natty then puts on sunglasses that look oddly like the sunglasses Ruby broke to start this shit show. Match number seven, Drew McIntyre versus Finn Balor. All right, time for the next UK showcase match. But Balor is in maroon tonight. It's much better than red. I feel like this should have been Demon King, but then again, it's not SummerSlam. Dolph appears and grabs a chair, but immediately gets it kicked square into his face. Also, this isn't a no-disqualification match, so Dolph was about to repay Finn for his recent victory by getting him disqualified. Balor charges and dropkicks the chair into Drew's face, then hits the coup de grace for the victory. Grade B. Very good match, but I'm not sure Finn got enough offense in throughout the match for this not to feel like a fluke. We then get a K-Jewelers commercial disguised as a different K-Jewelers commercial from three years ago. Match number eight, chairs match, Randy Orton versus Rey Mysterio. Mysterio ups his game by adding a chair to the belly slide splash move he does. Looked very painful. Speaking of looking painful, Ray goes to the Ray goes to drop the dime off the apron to Randy, who is sitting in a chair outside, and Randy moves out of the way, leaving Ray to go crotch first into the back of the chair. Ouch. Ray Mysterio is really just a master of doing moves that normally flip opponents without actually flipping them, just sending them falling in a very specific direction. I want to see how Randy would pull an RKO out of the six one nine. Randy wedges a chair between the second and bottom ropes, then manages to trap Ray on the top rope and swing him downward so he goes face first into the chair. Does that not count as a chair shot to the head? Orson sets up four chairs in a row to RKO Mysterio through them, but Mysterio counters Randy into sitting under one of the chairs, and then victory rolls him for the pin. Grade B. Better than it had any right to be, being a chairs match, it was fun, had some brutal spots, and Randy didn't win. Balor and Dolph bicker backstage, so I guess Dolph's a heel again, or still? I don't know. Match number nine, Raw Women's Title, Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey. I have no hopes for this. JoJo really is a fucking terrible ring announcer. To her credit, Ronda does not look like a raccoon tonight. We're sloppy right out of the gate as they can't even make a kick counter look natural. Nia's outfit can best be described as if a disco ball fucked a dreamcatcher. Tamina half-slides into the ring to distract Ronda from locking in the armbar, and Nia takes far too long to attack from behind, but this is also countered, and Ronda wins by making Nia's arm bend the way it's supposed to go. Grade C. 
I got what I expected. Backstage, Naya meets the man and gets beaten up. Tamina is miles behind and therefore a shitty friend. Match number 10, WWE title AJ Styles versus the new Daniel Bryan. Finally, they mention that Daniel re-leathered the WWE title to something vegan-friendly. I don't know that I like AJ in neon green. He looks like he's trying to be a member of D-Generation X. Otunga tried to argue Graves about the new Daniel Bryan by saying he used to travel with Daniel and he was boring and shitty then, too. Graves argues that you can't buy a Tesla with respect. Tell me about it, Corey. Brian wins by reversing a small package after they tease another ref bump grade. A. Good. Lord, what a great match. Absolutely fantastic. Backstage, Natty and Rhonda are diddling each other about their victory. Charlie asks Rhonda about Charlotte. Rhonda tries to make a pun based on her name. It stinks. Match number 11, Intercontinental title, Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins. I'm not wrong, right? This match was announced as a TLC match at Survivor Series, right? They almost immediately start needling Renee about Dean. She is almost starting to play into Dean's character, which is an interesting choice. So, Seth's knee is so bad that he can't put any weight on it to do the sunset flip bomb out of the corner, but he can plant on it for a superkick attempt following the tuning of Shawn Michaels' band. Rollins charges the corner and Cole covers a slip as a symptom of the knee injury when he really shouldn't have been able to spring up to the ropes in the first place. The crowd then begins to chant, This is boring. Then they chant for Becky. Seth manages to hit a superplex Falcon Arrow combo despite the bum knee. Dean then counters another superkick with a fist bump. But he gets kicked anyways. This is apparently what sets Seth over the edge. Seriously. On the outside, he hits Dean with the running barricade bomb. Bad knee? The pacing of this match is so bizarre. Every time they seem to get something actually going, there's an abrupt stop. Dean wins with the Dirty Deeds to become the new Intercontinental Champion. Grade C. Something was just off here. The match felt disjointed and weird, and the on-again, off-again knee injury didn't really help. Oh, fuck. I have to cover a tribute to the troops this week, don't I? Shit. Match number 12, SmackDown Women's Title, Triple Threat, TLC, Asuka versus Charlotte versus Becky Lynch. Last week, across Raw, SmackDown, 205, and NXT, there were 16 matches. That's seven hours of programming. Tonight, five hours, God, 12 matches. How much is too much? Despite swearing that she'll be victorious last Tuesday, tonight Corey swears that Becky will fall victim to her own hype. Uh, I laugh as the referee calls for the bell and then immediately pieces the fuck out of the ring. We start hot as these three just immediately start beating the hell out of each other. We'll ignore being able to hear Becky tell Asuka to move the ladder closer to the corner before that snapmare off the top. <sighs> Asuka releases Charlotte just a moment too early on a powerbomb through a table in the corner, and Charlotte looks to take the bump almost entirely on her head since the table only broke at the very, very bottom. And God, Becky then just destroys the other two with chair, with chair shots. Charlotte then gets murdered by an uncooperative German announce table. Sweet fucking Christ, that looked bad. Somehow she is able to continue and just wails on Becky and Asuka with a kendo stick. She gets T-boned into a table against the barricade. Asuka then wears out Becky with a kendo stick, and then Charlotte spears Asuka through the barricade. I then have to laugh as Charlotte and Becky get into it. Charlotte drives Becky's back into the Spanish announce table, and the Spanish announcers bail as though someone had thrown a grenade at them. Charlotte, because she is insane, then puts Becky through a table in the floor, on the floor, with a somersault sent on from the top rope. 
We then get a kind of nonsensical spot where Charlotte and Asuka are fighting for the title on top of the ladder. Becky then sets up a second ladder next to the first and climbs it. But before she starts climbing, Charlotte has knocked Asuka off the first ladder. So instead of just taking down the title, she switches to the second further away ladder so that Ronda Rousey can come out, push that ladder over, and Asuka can climb the first ladder and grab the belt for the victory. Grade A. The match was not perfect, the ending was a bit convoluted, but these three women went out there to make history, and they absolutely fucking succeeded. There is now a very high bar to clear for any future women's TLC matches. Overall grade for TLC, D+. The good was very good, but the bad was oh so bad. And there was so much more bad. TLC is only barely not an F. All right. It is Monday. We've been promised Vince McMahon, and we don't have a GM at the moment. What could possibly go wrong? Unsurprisingly, we open with Vince. Vince says the reason Raw has been on the air for so long is because they change with the times. We're three minutes into the show, and he's already lying to us. He then brings out Stephanie. I quit. They then bring out Hunter. I'm not skimming or summarizing. They literally haven't said anything yet. And then they bring out Shane. So we're ending the brand split, then? Stephanie admits that Ross sucks, and then admits that every time she said that WWE listens to the fans, she was lying. Hunter says that as of now, the four of them are taking back Monday Night Raw, and then Shane says that applies for SmackDown Live as well. So, they're ending the brand split, then? Hunter promises new and fresh, new faces, new superstars, new matches. Vince says this is how they'll be around forever. And his music plays. That... That's it? Oh, fuck. Enter Baron Corbin. Stephanie points out that the crowd hates Baron. Need I remind anyone that she was the one who made him GM in the first place? Baron asks for a conversation about last night, and we go to break. Was that a planned break, or did the McMahons just take too fucking long kissing their own asses? We come back, and it's still this. God. They then waste more time by encouraging the crowd to boo Baron. Holy fuck. Get on with it. Vince then basically tells him the same thing. Hunter then finishes promo for him, since Baron can't get his shit together. They tell him there's no way he'd ever become permanent GM, and then immediately offer him the chance of becoming permanent GM. He just has to beat Kurt Angle tonight, with Heath Slater as the guest referee. Good thing Kurt was dressed to wrestle. Match number one, Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle. Angle hits one suplex, and we go to break. Back from break, and Hunter reappears just to tell us that this is a handicap match. Kurt's partners are Gable, Rude, and Apollo Crews. Cole says these are the three men who Corbin wronged while he was in charge. How? Apollo disappeared after the breakup of Titmouse Worldwide and only reappeared to help Finn for no fucking reason. And Gable and Rude won the tag titles last week after losing the chance at to win the belts the week before. This is utter nonsense. They beat up Baron, then Shane returns to tell us, tell us it's no disqualification, which means Slater starts beating on Corbin as well. Where's Drew, by the way? Where's Bobby Lashley? Aren't they, like, his buddies or some shit? And why isn't Elias in this match? Or Finn? They have more to attack Corbin for than any of these three guys. Fuck, bring Rhino back for this. Uh, angle pins Corbin after an angle slam. Grade F. Between the painful opening segment and this nonsensical match, there is nothing redeeming in the first half hour of this episode of Raw. Angle then Angle slams Corbin through a table to cap it off. Uh, elsewhere, John Cena won the Muhammad Ali Award. Good for him. 
Match number two, Finn Balor versus Dolph Ziggler. New! Exciting! It occurred to me, watching this, that they, as they continue to talk about Corbin, that we never actually got an update on Slater. No one has yet said that he got his job as a superstar back. So sure, Baron's gone, but Heath could still just be a referee. Finn kicks out of the zigzag because it's WrestleMania, which is Drew's cue to appear. He and Dolph brawl, which doesn't cause a DQ for some reason. I guess since it was all Dolph on offense. I don't know. Then Finn hits Drew with a somersault senton over the top to the floor, and then Dolph attacks Finn as a thank you. But Finn does kick out of a Feymaster right after. Finn then wins, which admittedly is a change, by disqualification when Drew attacks him. Grade B. Good match, but nothing exciting. Drew then continues to beat up his foes after the match. Enter Dean and the Gas Mask Gang. 20 bucks says one of those guys is Seth. Dean rambles about Seth. I found it hard to pay attention. And then he issues an open challenge. Match number three, Intercontinental Title Open Challenge. The challenge is answered by Tyler Breeze, so his gimmick is apparently now answerer of open challenges. If Tyler wins this match, this gets a fucking A. Sadly, Ambrose wins with a Dirty Deeds grade. C. Would have been better if they'd gone with a shock finish. Dean continues to run down Seth Rollins, which of course leads to the shocking reveal that Seth is one of the gas mask kids. Are you my mummy? Backstage, Drake Maverick tries to suck up to Shane, which he shouldn't have to do on Raw since 205 tapes on Tuesdays. We then get a graphic about the future call-ups, including Lars Sullivan, who they've been announcing for weeks now, Lacey Evans, EC3, Heavy Machinery, and Nikki Cross. I approve of most of these. Speaking of which, we then get a Lars Sullivan vignette, then we get vignettes for the others on the list as well. I'm not really looking forward to Heavy Machinery. They haven't impressed me thus far. EC3's vignette is literally him stripping. It makes me laugh every time. Uh, then Leo introduces Bobby, and we pretend Bobby is Elias. Bobby shows us his ass. Negative points. Elias then appears and attacks. Match number four, AOP versus B-Team versus Lucha House Party versus Revival. Thankfully, Lucha House rules appear to be a thing of the goddamn past. Also, thankfully, this is a tag title contendership match. Shatter Machine ends Bo Dallas, and the Revival are your number one contenders. Grade... B. Hashtag unfuck the revival. <clears throat> Backstage, Seth, Seth cuts an impassioned speech about righting wrongs. Corbin appears. He blames his loss of power on Seth. So Seth clocks him. Excuse me. <coughs> Again, I had a show last night. Uh, Cole then sends us back to the beginning of the show for an iconic moment that shook things up. Neither of those things is true. Renee then says this is a new fresh start that is going wonderfully, which is questionable. Time for a Ronda promo. She and her mean mug talk about what it means to be champion again. She then issues another open challenge. Back in Gorilla, the entire women's division is screaming at someone who's pretending to be Vince. Why did we not see this when Dean made the open challenge earlier? Seth, Seth, Steph takes them all to the stage and announces an eight-woman gauntlet match to determine the challenger. The problem with this is that there are ten women on the stage. Match number five, women's contender gauntlet. Alicia starts with Bailey. Why does Bailey always seem to start these things? Sadly, when we come back from break, Alicia is still wrestling. Bailey tweaks her knee on an up and over, supposedly, and gets a boot to the face. She counters a pin with a crucifix to eliminate Alicia. Dana Brooke is next. Joy, you're telling me we had to pick eight out of ten and Alicia and Dana made the cut? Bailey to Bailey eliminates Dana, and we go to commercial. Mickey James is next. Are they doing Raw and SmackDown tonight, and Raw and SmackDown tomorrow night, or two Raws tonight and two SmackDowns tomorrow? Mickey DDT's Bailey, and Ember Mood is next. Can these guys just have a straight up singles match, please? Eclipse ends. Mickey and Natalia is next. Sixth, 
I fear we're leading to Natty and Ruby, and I don't want Ember to get eliminated. Natty pins Ember with a surprise roll-up, and shock and awe, Ruby is number seven. Fuck. Natalia also manages to eliminate Ruby with a fluke roll-up. Sasha is the final participant. Why don't Sarah and Liv get a chance to fight for the title? Natalia makes Sasha tap to an awful sharpshooter, meaning next week, quote-unquote, she'll get to tap to an awful armbar. Grade C. While I appreciate the effort to actually name a contender instead of just throwing someone out there with no build, why make Sasha the one who taps? Why not Dana or Alicia or Sarah or Liv? I mean, I understand why Natty won when there's no chance in fuck that Ronda loses next week, but I don't think Sasha should have been the final fall. Overall grade for Raw, C- Minus. We open the show with a landmark announcement that things are going to be different, things are going to be great, and then we get the same shit, except they told us it was different. We spend 20 minutes waiting for Baron Corbin to cut a promo because they all insisted on wasting time getting the crowd to boo him. Sure, the Revival won, and we saw Tyler Breeze on Raw for the first time in literally I don't know how long, but next week, quote-unquote, we have to sit through another sure-to-be-terrible miracle on 34th Street fight between Elias and Lashley. The McMahons and McMahon-adjacent opened the show with a lot of fanfare, but never actually promised anything concrete. We were shown a list of superstars getting called up with no further information. The main event gauntlet would have been a perfect vehicle for the surprise debut from Nikki Cross or Lacey Evans, have her win a fall or two before being taken out by someone else. And why is Shane McMahon invested in making Raw better? He's the commissioner of SmackDown. He should be thrilled that his sister's show is shitting the bed week after week after week. Okay. That's legitimately more thought than I ever wanted to put into this. Let's move on to SmackDown. Shane opens SmackDown with a locker room meeting backstage. Every wrestling show I've ever worked, this meeting happens before the show starts. I'm sorry, former general manager? So the McMahons are in charge of Raw and SmackDown. There are no more general managers. Presumably there are no more commissioners. Why should we expect anything to be different? Enter the man. She doesn't do meetings. She then calls out Ronda Rousey. Nice. She calls Ronda a Roddy Piper cosplayer, which is great. Charlotte is also upset. She has stolen Candice LeRae's look from a few weeks ago on NXT. All black everything. Also, Bray Wyatt is in the front row. Asuka then appears to rub it in everyone's faces. Someone on the aisle has a sign that says, Where's the hot dog? Charlotte and Becky both talk down to Asuka, and this brings out Vince, who chides Becky and Charlotte for making excuses. Strange. Vince then makes a title match between Asuka and Naomi. Did someone say something about... Chocolate titties? Sadly, Naomi speaks. Match number one, SmackDown Women's title, Asuka versus Naomi. Oh, Lord. David Otunga is still on commentary. Tom says that last night, Shane said there are no more guaranteed rematches. I do not remember that being said, but okay, let's run with it. If neither of them is getting a rematch, why are Charlotte and Becky sitting at ringside? Shit, that means we'll have David David Otunga on commentary next week, too, doesn't it? Naomi hits the rear view, but Asuka kicks out, and Naomi just sits there looking like she's about to cry. Naomi taps to the Asuka lock on the fourth attempt. Grade? C. There was something missing here. These women did not appear to be on the same page at all. A bit slow on some some spots, leading to some awkward moments. Even the springboard kick off the barricade by Naomi looked mistimed. Backstage, The Miz begs Vince to make Shane tag with him. Tom says Byron will be back next week, fingers crossed. Backstage, Rusev wants a U.S. title shot. Rusev is trying to make jokes in his promos now, and it's just kind of painful. Enter Jeff Hardy, face not painted. I'm guessing this is when Samoa Joe has promised to apologize. Turns out, this is an intervention. Jeff ain't taking Joe's shit. It ends with a twist of fate, and that's it. That was nothing. 
Match number two, The Miz and Mandy Rose versus R-Truth and Carmella. Last year, Carmella was teamed with Big E. This year, it was R-Truth. I guess it's true what they say about going black. See, it's funny because Truth thought Mandy was Maurice. It's it's funny. <laughs> then there's a dance break. Negative points. Miz pins Truth with a skull-crushing finale. Great. See, I mean, it was a match. Corey freaks out that Mandy is so close to him and Tom Phillips cannot help but laugh at him. This made me laugh. Bonus points. They then tell us that Ali has been added to the active SmackDown Live roster for the tag match tonight. So then what the hell was he last week? We then get vignettes for the upcoming call-ups again. Is there still a brand split or not? The EC3 video is still really fucking weird to me, even on the second viewing. Enter the Usos. They call out the bar but get the club instead. Remember the club, boys and girls? Match number three, the Usos versus the club. Rough spot when Anderson counters a dive by kicking Jay in the head and Jay's knee ends up trapped between the top and middle ropes. Anderson also looks to have taken a tough tumble to the floor after the kick. The bar appear to distract Jimmy. He splashes Anderson anyway and, the, and then Sanity break up the pin and end the match. Grade B. I'm guessing this was a no contest. I'm very happy to see the club in Sanity again though. Shinsuke then uses clips from Total Divas to explain why Rusev won't beat him for the title. It's not great. And no, by the way, I am not watching the New Day's Best of 2018 thing. Daniel Bryan then comes out to yell at us about the planet. Match number four, Daniel Bryan and Andrade Cien Almas versus Mustafa Ali and AJ Styles. AJ still wants to be in Degeneration X. Mustafa Ali pins Daniel Bryan with an 054 for the victory. Grade A. Great match, great main event, and a nice surprise finish with the new guy pinning the WWE Champion. Overall grade for SmackDown is a B-, minus. a very enjoyable episode of SmackDown, certainly embracing this new and different mantra more than Raw did last night. We got tag teams we haven't seen in months, and a nice shock finish to establish the new kit. Really good stuff. Let's move on to 205 Live. Will Drake Maverick suddenly be removed from power as well? We open with Drake, so I guess he's okay. Hideo Itami opens the show, surprising Vic Joseph with his appearance. Arya is here too. Arya threatens to cancel the show. Drake says, go fuck yourself. And Noam Dar comes out to defend the show's honor. Match number one, Hideo Itami versus Noam Dar. It's just a straightforward match. Two great wrestlers just doing what they do. Itami wins with a falling knee strike for the pin grade. A. Good stuff here. Great start to the show. Backstage, Murphy is a pompous jerk, of course. Match number two, Leo Rush versus Jobber. Leo wins quickly, grade C, it's a squash match, whatever. Cedric cuts a selfie promo. I kind of feel bad for these guys because this obviously wasn't recorded on a phone, but Cedric still has to hold his arm up like he's holding the phone. Next week is just a best of episode. Match number three, main event, Street Fight, Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher versus Akira Tozawa and the Brian Kendrick. This should be good. Kendrick shaved his face. He looks 14. Nice touch, a table is brought into play, then Gulak and Gallagher clear the ring and put the table back under the ring, yelling at the crowd that there will be no tables. Gulak and Gallagher eventually start using weapons. This leads to a weird spot where Gulak goes through the timekeeper's area to find a mop and bucket, an oddly dry and oddly clean mop, and an oddly empty bucket. He chucks both of these at Brian. Drew then fish hooks Brian with the actual hook on the end of a bungee cord. That looked incredibly unpleasant. A very nice submission train, Gulak, uh, sorry, Gallagher with a leg lock on Kendrick, then Tazawa locks Gallagher in an octopus, then Gulak locks the dragon sleeper on Tazawa, which ends when Brian slams Gallagher onto Drew. Cool spot. Very nice. Tazawa then almost gets the pin when he uses his diving senton to break up an Indian deathlock by Gallagher on Kendrick. A sliced bread off the middle rope ends Gallagher. Grade A. This was 
Awesome. A very fun street fight with some good creative moments and a good finish. A great way to end 205 for the year. Overall grade for 205 is a B+. Minus the meaningless squash match, this was a great episode. Onwards we go to NXT. Cage match. Dijakovic. I'm excited. Match number one, Dakota Shirai versus Shafir and Duke. Fairly standard affair here. EO pins Shafir with the moonsault for the win. Grade, B. Decent, but not spectacular. Enjoyable match. Interesting, Moro calls them the four horsewomen, despite there being only three of them. We get a Dijakovic vignette for his debut next. But first, a recap of Ono and Riddle. A couple of phones talk to Riddle outside. It's not a great promo. Riddle's voice does not make his serious promo sound scary or threatening at all. Match number two, Aaron Mackey versus Dominic Dijakovic. It is a squash. I don't care that it's a squash. I don't even care that whichever lady ring announcer it is that mispronounced Worcester. My friend is on WBTV, and that will never not be fucking awesome. Apparently, also, it's pronounced Dijakovic, not Dijakovic, and somehow that's better. I like that. Dijakovic. Nice. Dijakovic throws the kid around for a bit before hitting the feast your eyes for the pin. Grade A. The homerism will stop soon, I promise. William Regal added Io Shirai to the Fatal 4-Way next week alongside Mia, Bianca, and um, the women's right lady. Nancy? I want to say Nancy. Match number three, Heavy Machinery versus two 15-year-old kids and trunks. Seriously, the smaller one looks like he just got ball hair yesterday. The bigger one's name is Danny DiCardo, apparently. He gets compacted for the pin, or he would have if Otis didn't pick him up after two. Puberty Kid gets compacted as well, and then they both get compacted and pinned. Grade... C. This was a match. Somehow Heavy Machinery defeating children is supposed to convince us that they will defeat Undisputed Era for the tag titles in the future. Even though they're about to get called up. I mean, if you say so. Well. The cage is set up. It is main event time. Match number four. Steel cage match. Johnny Gargano versus Alistair Black. Gargano attacks Black before he can get into the cage. So let's see if there's actually going to be a cage match. Then, of course, as I type that, Black throws Gargano into the cage. And there's a cage match. Uh, also, there's no way that cage is 15 feet high, unless Aleister Black is 8 feet tall, because he was standing in the corner and it was definitely, and he was definitely taller than half the side of the cage. Gargano hits a beautiful sunset flip powerbomb off the middle of the top rope at one point. Very nice. Gargano climbs out, Black crawls out, but Ciampa attacks Black, and then Gargano climbs back in. And then, a beautiful thing happens. Evil DIY. They hit the double-charging kick to Black, and Gargano <clears throat> pins Black for the victory. Grade A. Unsurprisingly awesome. If they're going to run with this heel DIY reunion, I am 100% behind this. Overall grade for NXT is a B plus. Another great NXT. Can whoever's in charge of the NXT booking take over for the main roster? Please. 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 Hooray! It's holiday week, which means we have to sit through tribute to the troops. Or, as my DVR calls it, WWE Monday Night Raw, WWE Tribute to the Troops. So expect it to leave you feeling unsatisfied. We open with a staff sergeant singing the national anthem. That's nice. How is it possible that this is two hours long? Fuck. We start off with the new day. Kofi is an elf, Woods is a reindeer, and Biggie is Santa. Also, Carmilla and Truth are here for some reason. Sadly, luckily, they quickly disappear. Sadly, because it's Tribute to the Troops, JBL is on commentary. New Day regale us with Christmas stories, plus later tonight, Ms. TV and Jon Stewart. Match number one, Ronda Rousey and Natalia versus the Riot Squad versus the Samoan Twat team. I was looking forward to this until Nia Jax and Tamina showed up. The squad representatives tonight are Sarah and Liv. Ronda puts the double armbar on Sarah and Liv to win. It still looks terrible. <clears throat> Grade C. Passable. Almost decent. 
Naya and Tamina weren't in there too much. Rhonda then tells the troops how awesome they are. When she actually speaks from the heart, she's not that bad. When they script her, she's fucking terrible. Later tonight, Balor and Elias versus Lashley and McIntyre. We then get footage of Jon Stewart talking to the troops. It's very touching. Then Morgan Wallen, the bemulleted asshole in the plaid flannel vest from Raw last week, performs. This is 100% skippable. Elias then plays himself to the ring. Match number two, Elias and Balor versus Lashley and McIntyre. I figured after Corbin got shit-canned that Drew wouldn't have to put up with Lashley anymore. Oh well. Balor has a blue jacket, red trunks, and white knee pads and boots. Very patriotic. Considering he's fucking Irish. Cole reminds us that this Monday, Lashley and Elias will have a Miracle on 34th Street fight and says, That will be interesting. Please note that interesting does not equal good. Cole then complains about being cold. Suck it up, pussy. You're in Texas. Cole then tries to convince us that the McMahons being in control is a good thing. Balor breaks up a pin with a coup de grace to Lashley's back, which was impressive. Elias wins with a roll-up on Lashley. Grade B. Quite fun, with some good high spots from Finn. Boss hugs and Lashley then say thank you to the troops via video brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. And it is time for Ms. TV. Your guests are Charlotte and Becky. Fun. Miz stokes the flames. Charlotte completely misses the point. Miz then apologizes for the Marine Six, which he really should, and Becky intimates that he has a small penis. Pretty great. Then Mandy Rose and Sonny Deville come out to challenge them to a tag match. This seems like a bad idea. Charlotte accepts. I have a feeling this may end poorly for her. JBL then compares Becky Lynch to Bret Hart, saying the phrase, incredible run, six times in 40 seconds. Charlotte then hits the disarmor, and Becky applies the... Uh, sorry, Charlotte hits the... Uh, Natural selection, and Becky applies to disarm her for the victory. I should have remembered. It's tribute to the troops, so the good guys always win. Grade C. The match was fine, but this is the third match and the third tag match, and it's getting a bit old. Then the New Day used the troops to advertise Denny's. Jon Stewart then comes to the ring. He also complains about the cold. He then does some stand-up for the crowd. I'm sure these jokes about C-117s are funnier to the troops. We then get a nice little music video with pictures and videos of superstars meeting the troops. As we learn in this video, Mojo Raleigh is still alive, as is Shelton Benjamin. A reminder, your main event is also a tag match, AJ and Seth versus Brian and Ambrose, then another performance from the mullet asshole, and hey, it's main event time. Match number four, Dean Ambrose and Daniel Bryan versus Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. I can't help but notice that none of the champions have had their titles. Ronda didn't have the Raw Women's title, Dean doesn't have the Intercontinental title, Daniel entered without the WWE title. Where the fuck are the belts? The heels attack before the bell and we start hot. Faces win. Surprise. Grade B. Nice, fun, fast-paced match. Seth and AJ then tell the troops how awesome they are. Overall grade for tribute to the troops is a B-. It's tribute to the troops. The faces all win. There's shitty music and it's super patriotic. What else can you expect? Overall grade for the week, C+. I mean, things improved as the week went on, but TLC was awful. Raw wasn't much better. and SmackDown was good as always, and 205 and NXT were great. And also, there's tribute to the troops. That's it for this week. Do you agree? Disagree? Let me know at NitromaniaPod on Twitter or NitromaniaPod at gmail.com. I will be on the 2018 year in review for the rundown this week, so look out for that on Thursday. And tune in next weekend for another episode of Making the Grade. Bye.